Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Coronavirus ain't got nothing on me. I said, coronavirus ain't got nothing on me. I got my mask. I got my gloves. I got my hand sanitizer. I'm keeping six feet away, social distancing, practicing it. Is there anything else, though, that I should be doing? Is there anything else that I'm actually missing? Yes. Only the most important thing, the greatest safety and protection of all. But that's not found in what I can do. It's not found in what you should do, but it's found in who we know. What I want you to do right now is if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is an incredible psalm of encouragement. So go ahead and turn to Psalm 91. And we come to this final message in the Not Afraid series. Not afraid. Why? Because God is my refuge and my fortress. Psalm 91, the psalm of great encouragement, the author is not named. Many believe, though, it's Moses. Why? Because the previous psalm, the author is Moses. And some deem it a continuation of Psalm 90 into Psalm 91. But before we read this great, great psalm and before we study it, would you just take a moment and let's pray together and let's dedicate this time to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for scripture. We thank you for these words penned thousands of years ago that you have just raised up by your spirit and preserved as holy scripture. And Father, I would just pray that you would help me to preach, preach well, preach accurately. Father, that I would preach with a passion. Lord, that you would just grant me a liberty and a freedom. Father, that lives would be changed today. Christians would be encouraged. Those who don't know you, would they come to faith? That's our prayer. And Father, just go before us as only you can, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 91, listen to these words. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Because he has loved me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him. That's God's promise. With a long life, I shall satisfy him 
and let them see my salvation. I'm not afraid. Why? First is this reason. I'm not afraid because I shelter with the Lord. Now, right now, I'm sheltering with my wife and kids. And that is great most of the time. But I, you know what? The most important thing is I better make sure I'm sheltering with my God. And whoever you're sheltering with, that, that may be great. But you got to make sure you're sheltering with your God. See, the most important thing is that we are staying as close to God as possible. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So, this is not a time to social distance from God. This is not a time to spiritual distance from God. Shelter with him means I live with him. I abide in his presence. Continually, I fellowship with my God. I draw closer and closer to my God, not farther and farther away from my God. Because the closer that I am to God, the healthier we will be. And the closer we are to God, the safer we will be. If, if we never leave his side, we'll always be in his shadow. Now, when you think about the temperature right now where we live, it's not very hot. But pretty soon, we're going to have some blistering hot days before we know it. And we will seek the shadow of some great tree or some building. But the shadow is important. You think about seeking the shadow of a great tree, like a bur oak or a cottonwood or, or some kind of maple. And, and what you do is you seek the shadow because you seek protection from the heat. Stay close to your God and you are protected from the heat of this world. And for some of you, maybe you, you need to come back to the shade of the great tree. You, you, you need to humble yourself and you need to make things right with God. Why stay distant from the shadow of God? Why sweat it out in your sin? Come back to your God. Come back to the shelter. Come back to the shadow of your God. Closest to God is our good. We're told in another Psalm, Psalm 73, 28. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Because the nearness of God is my good, what do we do? We make the Lord God our refuge. So we stay as close to, as to God as possible. And, and, and why? Because he is trustworthy. The second verse of Psalm 91 says this. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And, and I want you to notice how personal this is. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. So the first thing is, can you say that of God? Or are you just an outwardly religious person? Are you just a, attending church online today? Do you know God personally? And, and you've got to settle this first and foremost. And at the end of the service, I, I lead in a prayer, and I would just encourage you to come to faith in Jesus if you haven't already. Because you need to know this personal God who loves you and who cares for you. Now, now look what we, we see here in this passage. He is my refuge. So he's my shelter from danger. He's my place of safety. He is my fortress. 
I, I know a lot of people are watching movies right now at home. Uh, not too long ago, my son and I, we, we, uh, we watched Lord of the Rings trilogy and the extended version. If you're going to watch it, you've got to watch the extended version. It's the only way to watch it. Anyway, so there's different fortresses that we see in the Lord of the Rings. One of them is Helm's Deep, and here's a picture of it. And these are the people of Rowan, uh, the horse people. They flee to Helm's Deep in time of trouble. They run there for safety. They run there for security. They ride there for protection because it is fortified. Here's a real life fortification. This is Windsor Castle in England. I, I love that long roadway that leads to that fortress. And, and you can just see it as a, as a straight shot for people to run for safety. Proverbs 18.10 says this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. So there is safety in our fortress God. And don't you doubt it for a second. Run to your God. So my God is a refuge. My God is a fortress. I have nothing to fear. And, and he is my God in whom I trust. You may be sitting at home today in your living room, your family room. You may be with others. You may be alone. And honestly, you have some very deep trust issues. You've been hurt deeply. You've been lied to extensively. And it's hard for you to take anyone at their word. I want to encourage you to trust God, trust his word, and always take him at his word. You may say, well, how can I do that? Why? Just look at his names. I love these first two verses because we see four names of God. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You can trust him because he is Eliot, Most High, meaning he is your place of protection and your security. You can trust him because he is Shaddai, Almighty. He is your powerful, sovereign ruler, God over all. He's in charge. You can trust him because he is Jehovah. He is Lord. He is faithful to keep his promises. He is the covenant-keeping God. He is the covenant-making God. And you can trust him because he is Elohim. He is God, the powerful one, the great one, the glorious God. He is your God, and you can trust him. Now, stay close. He's trustworthy. And look what we learn next in verse 3 and 4. He's faithful. For it is he who delivers you, we're told. In verse 4, he covers you. And then in verse 4, his faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. So he is faithful. He's faithful first to deliver you, and we're told from the snares. Snares are unseen traps. I, I, I love this show. It's on Disney Plus right now, but it's a National Geographic show. It's called Life Below Zero. And there are these people that just live out in the wilderness of Alaska, subsistence living. And, and one of the things they do is they use snares. They use these traps. They're hidden. They're camouflaged. They set them. They're deadly. They're designed so that the animal, the rabbit, the fox, the lynx, whatever they're after, can't escape. And if they get in there, the harder they pull, the tighter it fastens. And you may say, poor little rabbit, poor little fox, when we should be saying, poor foolish humans. If I would have only stayed close to my God, if I would have only trusted in my God, See, we have an enemy that sets traps. We're told in John 10.10 10, that he comes to steal and kill and destroy. 
Stay close to Elion Shaddai Jehovah Elohim. Stay close to the Most High Almighty Lord God. When you stay close to your God, he keeps you from being snared. He points out things you would have never seen on your own. So stay close and and you will be delivered from the stairs. He's faithful to deliver. He's faithful to deliver, we're told next, from pestilence. That's disease, that's plagues, that's sickness. And then you might say this, well then, why do God's people sometimes get sick, Pastor Scott? Why do God's people sometimes die of the coronavirus? Well, if the context is Moses as the author, this more than likely would be referring to the supernatural protection that God gave during those 10 plagues in Egypt. We also understand that sometimes God does allow his children to get sick and sometimes die. We'll go more into depth of this when we go to verse 10, but but understand, this is what Job would tell us. Job would tell us to always trust the character of God. And not only that, but to praise him through any and all storms. That there is a greater purpose in pain. Even in times that we don't understand, he is working it for our good. So he's faithful to deliver. He's faithful to protect. Verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is his shield and bulwark. And so he uses this terminology, his wings. What does that mean? There are two understandings in verse 4 when the passage says his wings, under his wings. One is a reference to the mercy seat of God. That was located in the Holy of Holies. And here's a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. And and this fits the idea of drawing close to God in the Holy of Holies and sheltering with him and being close to him in deep communion. And, And that is where he covers us with his mercy. The second meaning could be this. He's being likened to a mama bird. And here's a picture of a goose with its gosling. And and where I live right now in the Chicagoland area, I mean, we're going to have geese having babies everywhere. What it is, is a picture of gentle care. It's a picture of tenderness. It's a picture of loving protection. And that's what God gives us, his children. And so once again, stay close to him. Don't wander away from your God. Don't fall out of the nest, so to speak. And if you've fallen out of the nest and you've wandered away from your protector, your shelter, the one who who puts his wings over you and gives you mercy, I want to encourage you to come back. And, And that's why I'm here. And that's why other brothers and sisters in Christ are here. We're here to help you back into the nest, so to speak. See, there's a verse in Galatians, Galatians chapter six. It says, if if anyone is caught in any trespass, let him who is spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of, of gentleness. That's why brothers and sisters in Christ are here. We know Christians fall out of the nest sometimes. We know Christians fall away from God and fall into sin. And as believers, we don't look down our noses at them. We reach out with a hand And we say, let me help you back into the nest. Let me help you experience the mercy and grace of God again. And so if that's you here today, I want to encourage you to come back. 
And, and I want you to know there are believers out there that, that are not going to judge you. We are there to encourage you, to repent of your sin, to make it right with God, and to show you grace and to offer you mercy just like God would have. And so come back to the nest. Come back to that gentle love that God wants to give you. He's faithful to deliver. He's faithful to protect. He's faithful as a shield, of, as a bulwark in verse 4. And a bulwark is a defensive wall and a shield is protection. So just adding to that idea, shelter with the Lord. That's why I don't fear. That's why you don't need to fear because we shelter with God. Secondly, we enjoy 24-hour security. We don't have to fear. We've got 24-hour security. Now, you at home right now, you've got a security system, some of you. Some of you have one of these security systems, and there's all kinds that are out there. Our, our family utilizes a security system. This is the one we utilize. We utilize the one called Scout. There he is. Now, our security systems become a little dated with, with time and with age, so this is more or less how he looks now, our security system. So he's not as always as reliable as he used to be. But the breast protection, the best uh, security system out there, we see in Psalm 91, verse 5 through 6. You will not be afraid by the terror by night, or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. God is our best security, 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And he gives us three things to remind us about his security. He said, you have nothing to fear at night. Don't you fear any night terrors, whether they're real or imagined? Don't you fear anything in the dark or anything that lurks in the dark? Verse 5, he says, or the arrow that flies by day. He says, I'm going to protect you at night. I'm going to protect you in the day, whether it's a physical attack whether it's a spiritual tech. And then, he's, then he goes into two different areas. He says, not only night, not only day, but also what's unseen or what is seen. He says of the pestilence that stalks in darkness. This is unseen sickness. That's what we're dealing with right now. That's deadly viruses. That's what we're dealing with right now. Or don't be afraid of midday destruction. Destruction that lays waste at day. He says 24-7, 365 days a year. Night, day, light, dark. I'm your security, God says. So I shelter with the Lord, not afraid. I enjoy 24-hour security, not afraid. Third, I live confidently no matter how bad it gets. Say that with me. I live confidently no matter how bad it gets. Look at verse 7 through 10, and it could get bad. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You shall only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you've made the Lord my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. So he says, be confident no matter what happens. And here's the reality. We don't know what's going to happen. Things are starting to look up in our nation. It could get worse. There could be a new outbreak of the coronavirus. Cases could all of a sudden skyrocket. Corpses could start piling up in morgues. Everything could remain closed for another 12 months. Not just the remainder of the year. Even farther into the year. The next year. Church online. Maybe we'd have to do this for the entire year. I don't want to do that. I... I miss you guys, 
I love you guys. I want to see you guys. And all I'm looking at right now is a cardboard cutout of Jar Jar Binks that somebody brought in. I want to see you. I want to shake hands. I want to hug some people. But this is where God has us right now. Church online. And so we're going to make the best of it. We don't know what, what to expect in the future. But we can remain confident. Why? Even if a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand, it shall not approach you. And again, if this is written by Moses, he saw the Egyptian army pursuing them as they went through the Red Sea. And he would look on and all the people would look on and see the recompense of the wicked as those walls of water collapse upon them. And thousands are drowned. And we're told that their corpses washed up on the sea, on the shore. What we have here is we have a dual reality that during difficult times, it can be God's deliverance is seen for some and God's judgment is experienced for others. Moses and the people of Israel saw God's deliverance. The Egyptian army saw God's judgment. Remain confident though as God's child. Verse nine, he tells us, the Lord's my refuge. The most high is our dwelling place. And now he hearkens back to verse 1 and verse 2 and he uses the exact same words. Refuge and dwelling. The exact same words. So make God your refuge. Shelter with the Lord. Make God your dwelling place. Stay as close as possible to him. So remain confident no matter what happens. And remain confident staying close. And remain confident, verse 10, no evil is going to befall you. Nor will any plague come near your tent. And here's the thought. No evil will befall me. What does that mean? That means you run to God for shelter. You run to God as your refuge. You run to God as your dwelling place. And you have nothing to fear. In the Midwest here, from time to time, tornado sirens will go off. And uh, maybe even a tornado warning. And so bad storms come through, spawning tornadoes. So what do you do when the tornado siren goes off and a tornado has been spotted? What do you do? You grab your cell phone and you run outside and you take video. Point to the person in your house right now who would do that. <laughs> Just point to them. Because some of you, that's the first thing you'd do. What should you do when the roof is about falling off and blowing off of your house? What should you do? You should shelter. You should go into an inner room that is safer. You should make your way into the basement. That's what you should do. I want you to understand, he says, run to your God. You'll be safe. Now, the next part of verse 10 says, nor will any plague come near your tent. But we know, we know not all Christians are spared from sickness. We know not all Christians have been spared from the coronavirus. We know not all pastors have survived who've gotten sick. So what do we do about reality in this verse concerning God's faithfulness to his children? Well, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about God's faithful servants. And look what happened to some of those faithful servants. Verse 35 through 39 tells us some were tortured. Others uh, experienced mockings and scourgings, chains, imprisonment. They, they were stoned. Rocks were thrown at them until they were dead. Sawn in two, 
tempted, put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. They lost everything, including their homes, some of God's children. Men of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, caves, holes in the ground. All these, having gained approval through their faith, they were faithful to God, did not receive what was promised. They still trusted in God, even during their difficulties and even death. So, not all are delivered from death. Some are delivered through death. Because there's something so much better out there. There's something so much better to look forward to. Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Would you say that verse with me? For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. As I was studying Psalm 91... I came across a writing of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers ever. He served in London, England. When he was a young pastor in London, a plague hit the city. Over 10,000 people would die while he was a pastor in London. How did he handle this? I, I want to read what he wrote during this time. In the year 1854, when I had scarcely been in London 12 months, the neighborhood in which I labored was visited by Asiatic cholera. My congregation suffered from its inroads. Family after family summoned me to the bedside of the smitten. And almost every single day, I was, cause, I was called to visit a grave. Almost every single day, he was at a funeral because of the sickness. He writes, I became weary in body and sick at heart. My friends seemed falling one by one. I felt or fancied that I was sickening like those around me. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear. I, I was ready to sink under it as God would have it. I was returning mournfully home from a funeral when my curiosity led me to read a paper that was wafered up. That means fixed in a window of a shoemaker's window. And in good, bold handwriting, these words... Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. The effect upon my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage of her own. I felt secure, refreshed, and he says, girt with immortality. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no harm. Charles Spurgeon. He says, I felt girt with immortality. He was certain that he was not going to die and that he could continue to serve God. George Whitfield, another famous preacher, put it this way. We are immortal until our work on earth is done. We're immortal until our work on earth is done. So we don't live in fear. We're immortal until our work on earth is done. Now, that doesn't mean we live foolishly. That doesn't mean we live unwisely. It means we don't live in fear. We still take precautions, there, there, there's, but we don't live in fear. Please understand, plagues and pestilence and disease is nothing new to this fallen sinful world. It's only new to the generations right now on earth that haven't experienced it like, like uh, previous generations. An another great pastor, the reformer, um, Martin Luther. And this is fascinating about Martin Luther. 
Martin Luther was ministering in the town of Wittenberg. And this is 10 years after nailing the 95th thesis to the door at the church door there in Wittenberg. Wittenberg was experiencing the bubonic plague. And the bubonic plague uh, was a holdover from the Black Death that would crop up from time to time in Europe over 200 years. And the first time the Black Death hit Europe, two-thirds of Europe died. 200 million people perished because of Black Death. Now, during the time of Martin Luther, every town would lose at least 30% of the population, which is a lot of people, including Wittenberg. What I want to do right now is I want you to read along with me. This is what Martin Luther wrote to a pastor friend of his, uh, Dr. Johann Hess. And it's titled, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. And this was later made into a pamphlet during Martin Luther's time. This is what it says. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he'll surely find me. And I've done what he has expected of me. And so I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however... I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely. Martin Luther, 1527. He lived in confidence. He lived in confidence, and you and I can live in confidence in the midst of any and all sickness. We're not afraid. We shelter with the Lord. We enjoy 24-hour security. We live confidently no matter how bad it does get. Fourth is, I trust my angelic bodyguards. You heard me right. Trust your angelic bodyguards. My what? Yes. What could possibly go wrong with this guy on duty? <laughs> Just think about it. Now, I don't think that's who God had in mind in Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 11. He'll surely give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. God assigns angels to help his children. Now, we don't have time to go into an entire sermon on angelology, even though this would be so fascinating. And some people get really weird with angels. We just want to stay biblical with, with angels. Suffice it to say, this are, see, these are some of the things we learn about angels. There's multitudes at God's disposal. Jesus, in the, in the time of his arrest in the, in the garden, Matthew 26, do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? A legion, one legion is 5,000 Roman soldiers. Jesus said in a moment I can call 60,000 warrior angelic beings to do my, my bidding. Now these are not naked little cherubs strumming harps sitting on clouds. These are powerful winged warriors. One we see in 2 Kings 19.35, you can read it on your own, wipes out an entire army of 185,000 soldiers in one night. One angel takes out 185,000 soldiers. We see New Testament passages where angels serve people. 
In the context of children, this is where the concept of guardian angels comes from. Matthew 18.10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So there, there are angels that serve children and watch over them. Now, we're told that they are sent out to serve all believers in Hebrews chapter 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? If you are a child of God and you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are on your way to heaven, there are angels that serve you. Says who? Says God's word. For the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Now, in Luke 16, 22, we're seeing that they serve Christians, they serve God's people, even at the time of death. Jesus told us that a poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. In Luke 16, 22. So seemingly at death, believers in Jesus Christ are given angelic escorts. Their souls are escorted into heaven. Now, we do read in Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. So they're unrecognizable. We don't know the shapes, the forms that they take. We, we know that they're assigned to care for God's people. Back to our passage here. We're told that they guard in all of their ways. They guard us and they bear us up in their hands. So they guard you, this broad protection, all of your ways. Daniel experienced angelic protection in, in the lion's den. Daniel 6.22, God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They've not harmed me. Peter is in prison on the verge of being executed, but God's people are praying for him. By the way, when God's people come together and pray, God takes note. I want to encourage you to join us on Wednesday nights. I wasn't planning on saying this, but Midweek Boost Live is something we do at 7 o'clock Central Time here at the church. I want to encourage you just to join us. Take some time and let's just pray together. I want you to understand, God's people were praying. Acts chapter 12, verse 7. An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, light shone in the cell, struck Peter's side, woke him up, got up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. So, so angels guard God's people. Angels support God's people. They support with physical strength when we're vulnerable. Jesus, after the temptation in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, angels came and began to minister to him. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, during that time of excruciating prayer, Luke 22 an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And so angels guard and angels support and, and angels protect. It says they bear you up in their hands unless you strike your foot. Psalm 91, 13, we're told you will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. We walk with confidence, not in fear. And he uses the illustration of the lion and the cobra. In other words, there's no need to fear anything powerful and there's no need to fear anything cunning or sneaky. Not afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? We shelter with the Lord. We enjoy 24-hour security. We live confidently no matter how bad it might get. And we trust our angelic bodyguards. And then lastly, what do we learn? Why are we not afraid? Because I can call on God anytime, anywhere. And he what? He answers. We're talking 24-hour hotline. Never put on hold. Never hear Sorry for the delay. We're experiencing higher than normal call volumes. We're, we're never disconnected. 
We're never given the, the runaround when we call out to heaven. For financial stress, press one. For family issues, including marriage problems, press two. For health and all things coronavirus, press three. You're not going to get that answer. Look at Psalm 91, 14 and 15. Verse 15, look at it. He will call upon me and I will answer him. It's God's promise to you, child of God. Call upon him and he will answer you. Not disconnect you, not put you on hold. Why does God answer? Look at verse 14. Because he's loved me. And because he's known my name. Why does God answer you when you call? Because he knows that you love him. Because he knows that you know him. That's why. Love has the idea of clinging to him. You're bound to him. And, and you know him. You acknowledge him. He's real in your life. If you love God and you know God, you will hear from God. Those who love him and know him will experience him. Look at verse 14. Therefore, I will deliver him. And, and he says, I will set him securely on high. You will experience deliverance by God and you will experience security by God. If you love him and you know him, you have nothing to be afraid of. Here's the real question. Do you know him? And do you love him? Or is God this distant deity? Do you know him personally? I don't believe in mistakes. I don't believe there's a mistake for you listening right now. I believe for some of you out there, you don't know God personally. And you are being drawn to God and it's not by mistake. He is drawing you to himself because he loves you. He knows your past, he knows your sin, and he still loves you. And you feel there's no hope in this world. There is no hope in this world outside of God's love for you. And he's saying, you've tried this, you've tried that. Would you try God? Would you come to him? Would you cast yourself at him? Would you repent of your sin? Would you right now where you are call out to him and say, God, would you save me? God, would you forgive me? That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose again. To give us life. Life abundant now and life abundant forever. And so I just want to encourage you to know this God that loves you. And love him in return. Love him. Know him. Verse 15, call on him. Because you love him and because you know him. He will call upon me and I will answer him because, and I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and I will honor him. See, I want you to see this. God is able to take every single call himself. There was a time here at our church some 25 years ago when I used to take every call personally that came in. I, I can't do that anymore. And I haven't done that in a long time. Do you realize God still takes every single call that comes in? He's able. He cares. And he loves you. Would you call out to God? And I want to encourage you, don't put off calling him. Sometimes we call everybody else. We call our friends. We text our friends. We text our family. We email these people. It's okay to talk to friends. 
But for some of you, you need to hear this. Stop talking to so many friends about your problems and your fears and start talking to God. Stop texting everybody else and start talking to God. Start getting on your knees and start spending time in prayer to God. Call on God. Prayer, so powerful. Utilize this incredible privilege we have to go into the throne room of God Almighty who loves us and cares for us and shelters us, can deliver us, who is our security. I'm amazed how many Christians go without prayer. It's kind of like they spiritually live off the grid. Why are you spiritually living off the grid? Why are you roughing it spiritually? You you know, we, we worry more about the internet going down than about our prayer life. Call on God and hear from God. He says in verse 15, I will answer. I will be with him. I will rescue him. I will honor him. God listens and God answers. Some of you know I'm a, I'm a grandfather now. This is my grandson, Zion. He's five months old now. And this is a picture of him with his daddy. Uh, his, his daddy's name also is Scott. Can I tell you, this little guy's got our heart, and I know he has his parents' hearts. And, and, and I'll tell you something else. If, if Zion is in the other room, and he just starts screaming and crying, you can guarantee his daddy's going to come running. His daddy's going to be there. Don't you doubt for a second that Zion's daddy wouldn't come running. Don't you doubt for a second that when you are crying in pain, and you are confused, and you don't know what to do, when you call out to God, don't you doubt for a second that your heavenly Father doesn't come running, that your heavenly Father doesn't answer. We're told, I will answer. I will be with him. I will rescue him. I will honor him. So call to him, and then our last verse says this, and with a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Now, this is more than adding years to our lives. This is adding life to our years. It's not just about adding years to life. This is about adding life, satisfaction, enjoying, understanding, taking part in life. It's the kind of life we read about with Abraham in Genesis 25. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man, and what? satisfied with life. With a long life, I'll satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Can I tell you, that's, that's how I want to die. When God decides, my time is up on this earth. I want to die satisfied with life. And that's God's promise to us, who love him and know him. Now, these things, they have their place. But nothing, nothing takes the place of our security and our protection in our God. Not afraid. Why? Say them with me. Not afraid because I shelter with the Lord. I enjoy 24-hour security. I, I live confidently no matter how bad it gets. I, and, I, I trust my angelic bodyguards. God's in control. They do his bidding. And I can call on God. Anytime, anywhere, 
any answers. Now, for some of you listening right now, you've not called on God for the most important reason. And that's to personally know him as your savior. And I would love for you to do that right now. And you may say, Scott, I need God in my life. I need more than religion. I need a personal relationship with this God. I need to know him. And this is what I want you to do. In the quietness of your heart, sincerely just call out to him. And you may say, well, I don't know what words to use. Just, just use words like these. It's not the words that save you. It's, it's your faith in God. So just call out right now. Lord Jesus, would you please save me? Would you please save me from my sin? And for you who are Christians, pray right now. Pray for those who need Christ. Just call out to him right now. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me that much. I repent. I, I turn away from my sin, Lord. And I turn to you. Please forgive me of all my sin. Please save me from all my sin. I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. I place my faith in you alone. Only you can save me. Forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen carefully. If you have called out to the Lord right now, first, we, we rejoice with you. We, we're, we're just so happy for you because we know the joy of forgiven sin in a relationship with God. There's nothing like it. And so um, we want to know about that. We want to celebrate with you. So you can comment if you're on an interactive platform right now. You can send us an email. You can call us at the church. But let us know if you've, you've asked the Lord to be your Savior. Do that right now. Um, if you're listening right now, you still have questions. And they're good questions. You're not ready to receive the Lord as your Savior. I want to encourage you. Ask, ask questions. No question's a bad question. And so you can ask a question on that comment section right now. You can email us. Um, you can interact with one of our pastors on staff, one of our leaders here. We would love to talk to you about what it means to know God personally through his son, Jesus Christ. And to come to faith and have your sins forgiven. So, so please, by all means, ask those questions ask away. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.